0: Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks that I give away every Monday is Kim Dust. She's in the entertainment industry and is currently working a full time day job and doing her side hustle on the side. Kim, congrats. For you guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to officially enter. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444 after you've subscribed. Coming up tomorrow morning, Top Tribe, you are going to hear how Brian Vern, a 28-year-old, raised 700K for an app that connects brands to high school athletes in a very interesting way. Okay, Top Tribe, good morning, good morning. I'm excited to be with you guys today and you're gonna enjoy our guest. His name is Derek Capo. He was born and raised in Miami, worked at a hedge fund for a few years, then moved to China to study Chinese, where he started a new business in the FinTech startup scene. Derek, are you ready to take us to the top? Sure, let's get started. All right, let's do it. So first things first, tell me about the the hedge fund work. What were you doing at the hedge fund? And then we'll get into the fintech startup scene in China.
1: Sure, sure. Actually, um, so I worked at the hedge fund for about four years. I was a stock and bond analyst. Uh, So basically what I did was I would analyze companies, uh, having to do with companies all over the world, Israel, Brazil, U.S., China. And I would basically analyze business, present it to my boss, and then we would buy, you know, millions upon millions of dollars worth of stock, or we would short the stock, or you know, we do whatever we could to make money. That was which, the motto. Which, so,
0: which trade that you made was your biggest windfall? Your biggest win?
1: My biggest win uh, was I think buying JetBlue it was actually uh, it was actually early in, in the time when they were still growing, and I think I made them within think in about a week or two, I made them like 3 or $4 million. That was one of the big trades. I'm trying to remember. There was another one called Peregrine Software where uh, my boss had had the position for a long time and I had been in charge to start monitoring the company. I went over to meet the CEO in Atlanta uh, and I came back and I said, no, we're not selling the position. We're going to keep it. And I think they made uh, like 9 or $10 million. What year, did,
0: what year did you get into JetBlue? Do you remember? Yeah, it was actually 2004. 2004. So w- what was stock price? I wonder what stock price was back then.
1: Oh, that was, you know, that was about oil 16, was around,
0: 16 bucks, 15 bucks,
1: right? Yeah. And it was like, I think it went up to like 20 something and then we just sold it. It was a few million dollars and like within a couple of weeks, you know, oil back then was, I think 40, 30, 40, 30 or $40 a barrel. And, you know, they had hedging on their contracts and so they were able to protect their profits. And so that's kind of like the story. And they were still growing like 30, 40% a year. So it was a really good growth story. So, and then I think they went down to like two or three bucks after. Yeah, I was about to say, there's
0: like, there's like a very little spike between January of 04 and May of 04, where it went from, you know, a, a $16 price point up to a, up to a, you know, $20 price point. But it sounds like that's the, that's the upswing you made your money on.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then it
0: went and then it went down even before the whole world tanked in 08 in 07 and even before that in 06 it was back down around 10 bucks to a low of 550 in October of 09 and now it's back up around 20 bucks uh, as of today February 2016. So, interesting trade. So, you you I always wonder when I talk to hedge fund folks, I mean, how much of it is luck versus how much did you know that the stock was going to do like a little bump and you guys were going to be able to profit, you know, 3-4 bucks per share?
1: That's interesting. Uh, well, usually whenever we make investments, uh, we always try to look for a catalyst that's uh, that's going to happen within the next three to six months. It's going to get the stock to move higher, whether it's uh, a corporate event, uh, whether it's earning surprises, whether it's uh, a strike, uh, you know, a strike basically not, you know, not happening or something like that. I mean, specifically with airlines. Um, so there's always something. like Hedge fund people are always looking for catalysts. There's got to be something that has to happen within X amount of time period. And if nothing happens, two things uh, occur. Either they unwind their position because they just don't want to wait any longer, or they put them along and they just want to cut their losses, or they get active. In other words, they get involved. They start buying even more shares, and they figure out ways to get what they want through They turn into in the the Bill board- Ackman. They turn into Bill Ackman, yeah. There's a lot of people that are trying to do that, and the thing is, that actually hurts the businesses in the long term. Like, really hurts the businesses in the long term. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, makes their investors money and stuff. But at the end of the day, it actually hurts future shareholders, uh, people who you know buying some of these companies that have stable dividends or you know actually are doing a really decent job for shareholders. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 pretty scary sometimes how it is.
0: How so, it is. So Derek, how how old were you back in two thousand and four? Uh, 21 okay 21 and and what was that the, the when you guys bought the shares at 15 bucks on jetBlue about how many millions of dollars did that equate to
1: uh, let's see we probably made it was we made about 15 20 percent of the trade so we probably put in about 10 million dollars in the trade uh, It was about a couple percent of the of the funds what does that mean when you so say yeah. that
0: that you were 10 or twelve percent in? you mean you had other investors go in on the same same tranche?
1: Yeah, so the way it works is um, we were, were working with the main fund. That the main fund at that time, I think, was about three hundred or four hundred million dollars, and we put about a one or two percent position, which basically means two percent of the entire fund was was invested into buying shares of the company. And so, two percent of like four hundred million is about eight million bucks. And if you make ten or twenty percent, or twenty or thirty percent, you're looking at two to three million dollars. I see. Make. Yeah, I see. So, I see. And yeah.
0: what was it, what was the name of this hedge fund that you were with? Uh, Everest Capital. Everest
1: Capital, and where were they based out of? Uh, Miami. Um, oh, okay. In fact, yeah. In fact, um, I had just graduated from university, and I had just, I had actually gotten my Series Seven exam. You know, I always kept on trying to build that utility belt while I was in college. I had read about four four thousand something annual reports. You know, kind of get ready to to get involved in the finance field, and I was just about to to get to Connecticut to probably work for some other funds. And this company actually called me up and said, Hey, do you want to do an interview? And I said, Yeah, sure. And then uh, jokingly, I thought, Oh, well, I thought jokingly, they said, Hey, can you stay for lunch? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, as long as you pay for it. And that ends up that the interview was about eight hours long. So, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I learned a lot doing these crazy interviews. So.
0: And what, and what, we'll move forward, obviously, to the fintech space in a second that, that you're now in over there in China. But uh, help us, help folks understand how, how a hedge, someone working at a hedge fund is compensated.
1: So our funds, uh, back then they're a little bit different. So I was an analyst. I was kind of like the bottom of the barrel when I came in, especially when you're 21 years old. Uh, I got, I got a, a base, uh, space salary. And then at what the was end the of base? the base. Oh, at that time it was $30,000. Okay. That's really low. And then at the end of the year, they would give me a bonus based on how I did. And so every day I would get a sheet showing all the positions that I had, I had initiated and how much money I was making or losing. And so by the end of the year, they would kind of look at everything that I did, the contributions that I made, how I helped other team members, and they would pay me, you know, flat, uh, flat bonus. And so I think the first year was a few thousand dollars. And of course, every year it just kind of got better and better. Okay. Um, so you don't, so do, it, you don't
0: go in the hedge fund and make a big salary then? I mean, your maximum salary, you know, base plus commission or bonuses was probably somewhere in the, what, 40 or 50K range when you left?
1: That's about right. And I yeah. think the problem, the thing was, there's two factors. And I think people um, don't realize, I came in at the very beginning in the sense of 21 years old. Not many people at 21 years old get started in hedge funds. Everybody that was my coworker were basically people from Stanford, Columbia, Harvard, you know, UPenn, you name it. Um, they got paid. A hundred and seventeen thousand dollars a year and then they were paid uh, the bonuses and the bonuses could have been a certain a certain percentage of their a percentage of their salary or a multiple of their salary. It could be two times, could be three times, depending on how much money they made for the funds. And the way it works for the way this fund works. Wait, worked, were they, were they, they older they,
0: than you though, Derek, or was this oh, just they had different degrees than you?
1: Oh, they were older. Okay, they were got significantly it. older. They were all in their thirties. They were late maybe early 30s to 40s and so i was a young kid 21 years old just basically you know doing kind of the same work they were doing and then just picking their brain all the time um and there's a you know several reasons why they pay me so low i didn't go to a great university i went to florida international university basically a local university come on Derek, who the
0: hell who the hell cares about a college degree You're, you're it's all about the hustle right
1: Oh, no, that's exactly right. And that's what happened. Um, when I went in for the interview, I did the interview for eight hours. They liked me. They 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 saw that I had uh, read the 4,000-something annual reports. And the boss said, um, you know, I found out later through the interview process, the main reason why they hired me is because the boss had said that, it, it, uh, that I reminded him when he was young. And so he said he liked that. And when they kind of gave me the offer, he said, oh, Yo, you know, we're going to try you out for three months. And I said, And I looked straight into the guy's face and I said, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I did, you know, I was there for like almost four years. So um, you're right. I mean, it is all about the hustle. And I think the, the main reason why they kind of took advantage of me was they knew that I didn't come from a good educational background, but at the end of the day, they wanted to say they were hedging their bets say, you know what, we'll pay this guy this amount. And if he works out great, if he doesn't, well, at least, you know, we don't have to pay that. Okay.
0: So this is kind of making sense now Why you got out, right? Like you learned a bunch and probably once you felt like you learned all you could, it wasn't worth staying for the salary. So is it, is that accurate? Then you head to China?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, part of it was salary. Part of it was environment of the, you know, the actual hedge fund environment and part of it was knowing that the economy was going to collapse. um, You know, in 2006, 2007, we were in Miami, I I was born there, right? So I I saw this crazy boom happening right before my eyes and I would see, you know, 60 something cranes building apartments and I saw all my friends from high school that probably uh, didn't even go to college and basically were just buying five, 10 homes on adjustable rate mortgages and driving BMWs and I just kept on asking them, how are you making this money? And they kept on saying, oh, real estate, real estate. And it got to the point where it, I knew, and I, even the team knew that sooner or later this was all going to fall apart. Why didn't you guys no, make a
0: bunch of money then? Then shorting it or hedging? That,
1: that's correct. What ended up happening was uh, the last year I was there, we were, we were shorting. We were shorting uh, housing stocks. We were shorting mortgage insurance companies. They just kept going up. They just, they kept on going up on us. We kept on getting stopped out, and the boss was never really into. You know, kind of like the big short, he was never really into like creating securities. He was kind of like, I want to be liquid. I want to make sure I can get it in and out. But yeah, everybody knew that they should have shorted. Got it. But these things just kept on losing. I mean, people were shorting in 2006 and they just lost tons of money. Not this fund specifically, but people in general. Yep. Um, Because you had
0: to be able to stay long enough to see the upside.
1: Yeah, well, you couldn't you couldn't make such a big, bold move in, uh, in 2006 when you'd have to wait it out for like literally almost two years. Yeah,
0: yeah, it so, makes sense. Yeah. Hey, let's yeah. fast forward a bit. Let's fast forward, because I want to make sure we get a chance to talk about the startup. So why go to China, and what's the fintech startup that you created?
1: Actually, so um, the fintech startup is actually what I'm doing na- uh, now, but the, when I went to China, it was to study Chinese, study Chinese for a year, and then I basically started a study abroad business. So the study abroad business was to help foreigners go to China to study Chinese, do internships and teach English. And I did that. I'm still kind of doing that for about seven something years. Is that
0: a big and profit that, maker? I mean, though, I mean, how much, how much revenue did that business do in 2015?
1: Uh, so not that much. It was actually a few hundred thousand dollars, but then uh, in cumulative, we did about $2.4 million. Over seven years. Yeah. Well, seven years.
0: And how many, um, how many people did you bring out? Like in total, how many people paid you to, to bring them over to China?
1: 300, or okay. more than 300. Um, so, yeah, our business was pretty simple. It was basically, you know, we'd help you set up, go to the university. Uh, if you want to study Chinese, you know, we'd have clients that were from 12 years old to like six years old. Average revenue per client was about uh, four or 5,000, maybe more than that. Um, at the end, it started getting higher. Um, but I think what's important is that it's not very easy to get people to send their 14, 15 year old child. Plus a check for four or five thousand dollars and send them over to China. Well, how to be more yeah. than that
0: though, Derek, right? If you because those numbers don't work. If you had three hundred customers, then they only paid you five grand, and that's only one point five million. You said two point four,
1: yeah, well, so. So the yeah the average is about seven or eight. I'm saying in the summers we would have kids that would pay us uh, like four or five grand, and then we would have in the fall we would have people that would pay us between seven to twelve thousand dollars on average. So. Um, so yeah, it's about it's about $7,000 average, 300 something customers, so about 2. Point something, $2.2 2 million.
0: And you just pocketed the profits to kind of sustain your life.
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, I lived a pretty decent lifestyle in China. I mean, it's pretty cheap. So, But it was a fun business. I learned a lot. I learned the, the importance of trust, of building a business and, and getting customers to trust you. I mean, getting anybody to send you a check for $5,000 in the business in China is not, uh, is not easy, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: So, walk, so push us forward now into the fintech space. Well, what's the fintech startup?
1: So the name of the business is actually called eFin. Uh, what we're doing is we're Spell creating... That. Spell uh, that for us. Uh, E-F-I-N. Okay. So you can go to uh, www.efin.com. Yep. The website will actually be um, officially launched in about a month or so. So basically... What we're doing is we're creating a website that's actually getting the information that's probably the most accurate about the specific business that people should be looking at. Um, When you go to Yahoo Finance, people just look at, uh, you know, income statement, balance sheet, et cetera, et cetera. But what people are missing is what are the actual metrics that actually matter? Um, And then, so we're going to show that. We're going to show, you know, things that the executives are doing. We're going to show how the executives are doing compared to their peers, and we're, going to actually, we're actually creating an algorithm. And that algorithm is basically breaking down the business into five segments, uh, analyzing how the board of directors are doing their, their, their job, analyzing how the executives are managing the business, uh, analyzing the evaluations of the business compared to peers and compared to history, and then technical analysis. And then we're creating these scores. And each of these scores are made up by hundreds, if not thousands, of questions that we're actually putting in for an algorithm. To actually, determine whether there is a better time or the right time to invest in a company. So, Derek, is this Sometimes your is this, we'll,
0: is this your company? Because on the when I click management it, team on the website, it, you're not listed.
1: Yes, it is. It's actually three partners. Um, I actually got in touch with. I have two partners. They're both from Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them actually started a company called Ad Parlor and actually sold it back in 2011. What's so his he name? He, uh, his name is Christoph Soronka. Uh-huh and then the other one is called Charles Mosco. He's uh, actually an internet marketer. Uh, he actually has a pretty interesting story. Uh, so we got together. Uh, we're actually part of the YEC, which is this uh, uh, young entrepreneurship club, a council. And uh, basically, we co- kind of all got together and we said, hey, you know, I'm really into finance. I've always been into finance. And the marketing guy's like, yeah, uh, I've been to finance too. And uh the CTO, is like, yeah, I, I you know I have all this money I made from selling my business and I've been getting into stocks and I own some stocks here and there. And I'd actually want to, you know, get together and start doing something. So, so how, said, how do you
0: guys make money on the site?
1: So uh, there's actually several ways that we're going to make money. The, the initial one is to grow, uh, to start memberships. Membership so you're pre
0: money right now. You haven't made any revenue.
1: That's correct. Okay. And are so you guys,
0: did you, how much, how much money has gone in so far funding wise from partners and outside investors?
1: We've so far put in fifty thousand dollars and we're actually gonna start putting in another hundred and something thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, and we're planning on doing a seed round. Uh, probably about five hundred to seven hundred something thousand dollars is what we're looking for the seed round. And are
0: you gonna do that on a priced on a priced round or a note?
1: Uh probably on a note. Okay. Probably look for yeah. Yep, yep. So, I mean, if we can get a price round that'd be great, but I mean if if no, you know, whatever 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 the market's going, it's not that great right now. Uh, we've been looking at uh, the, some of the deals have actually kind of gotten um, not as great as they used to be about a year ago. Tell me so what mostly. you mean by
0: that when you say they're not as great as they used to be.
1: I think, I think obviously the, the valuations are actually much more expensive or at least the, the how, how ideas got funded quicker about a year ago than they are now. Now they're taking a little bit longer. Uh, so I think uh, you need to have definitely a lot, a lot more sustainability or a lot more momentum going before you really start to, to really show your idea. I mean, is that a you good know.
0: thing or a bad thing, though? I would say that's a good thing. I mean, means, oh,
1: yeah. of course it's a good I mean, as an investor, I think that's a great thing. I think one of the reasons why uh, the best businesses were started in 2008, 2009 is because it weeded out a lot of crap, right? And so when you have an environment where uh, investors are taking their time and you have businesses that have to prove themselves more, then I think it's great. So for us, you know, we're okay. We, you know, we've all had money from our own, our own businesses before. We're putting in money. So we're okay, you know that this is gonna work, it's just gonna take time, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So. So sorry, I cut you off, how do you make money?
1: Oh, so in the beginning we're gonna do subscriptions, uh, with actually membership subscriptions. So the goal is that people are gonna want this information and I think it's valuable, and then eventually we're just gonna charge $99 for a yearly subscription. And so the goal is, um, the thing is like, Yahoo Finance has about 40 million people from the United States alone visit their website. Uh, 70 million people worldwide. The thing is the information that they're getting from f- Yahoo Finance is horrendous. And so that we feel like there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of opportunity to get from Yahoo Finance to start to look at other websites that would help people to make just better investment decisions. Got it. So the, the initial version is to make subscriptions, but if the algorithm it really starts to uh, really predict as much as what we want it to pre- to predict, then we can eventually start a fund. We can eventually put in our own money, you know, uh, and then eventually we can prove we can backtest it and even prove it, you know, currently and say, listen, this this algorithm actually really, really works. Uh, we've been able to get X amount of return with X amount of risk in the portfolio, and we're able to do something. So whether it can grow into a membership site, that'd be great, if, but if it can actually turn into an actual fund where it could, you know, it could turn into an actual ETF or an index or whatever it is, and we can... We can do whatever we want.
0: Very cool. Well, Derek, look, people are going to want to follow your story. And before we get into my favorite part of the show, if they want to connect with you personally online, where can they do that?
1: They can connect with me with Twitter uh, or they can just email me at uh, Derek at com, And they can just send me an email. I no problem. Talk to anybody. I talk to people all over the world.
0: Okay. Top Tribe. Do not forget your chance to win a hundred bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703-431-2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter 703-431-2709. I love. So what I've done is I've worked with him. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45 day money back guarantee. Okay. Again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. There you go, guys. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Derek, we're about to get into my favorite part of the show. You know what's next?
1: No, I'm not. Come on. Come on man.
0: All right. I'll give you a break because you're halfway around the, uh, around the world. It's time for the famous five. Are you ready?
1: Okay. go ahead. The okay. first
0: one, Derek, is what's your favorite business book?
1: My favorite business book. Oh. Um, honestly, um, I've read so many books that it's really hard to say, but I really believe that um, the best book is actually my, the story of my family. Uh, My grandfather actually left from Cuba in 1966 on a boat and escaped hiding his two sons in the boat, landed uh, in Mexico three days later after braving like 20 foot storms, took him 30 days to go from Cosmo, Mexico to Miami, Florida through this crazy trip. Uh, Within one year, he started a business and then later turned it into one of the largest furniture retailers in the United States of America. Wait, so is is this in a
0: book somewhere that we can buy and read?
1: Uh no, it's not. I think they have a Spanish version that we have. Uh the the main reason why I'm mentioning this story is because it's something that I that I I look at every day and I keep on reminding myself that you can struggle every day and, and you can start with nothing and, and you can still build, you know, an American dream. And so when you look at that and you look at other stories and you know, like Ray Croft, like McDonald's, how he was able to get that and turn it into a business. Uh, you know, there's tons, there's really tons of books that I like. But Give me the last I, I one you it. read,
0: Derek. What's the last one you read?
1: The last business book I read? Um, uh, the Richard Branson one. Uh, I forgot the
0: name of the book. Yeah, the, the, the one called Losing My Virginity? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay, good. Number two. Okay, these are rapid-fire questions. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now?
1: Yes. Uh, Hobie Darling. And and what's the business? Salt Candy.
0: Skull candy, very good. Okay, number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Evernote?
1: Uh, yes, Asana.
0: Asana, okay, cool. Okay, number four. Derek, how old are you now? I'm
1: 33.
0: 33, okay. so so and, and what's your situation? Are you married, single, do you have kids? I'm married. Okay, very good. Congratulations. So here's the question. As you're building uh, your own startup, right, and you're having success, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? No. How much do you get?
1: Uh, probably... Six to seven, seven if I'm lucky, six is
0: the norm. Okay, last question. Take us back 13 years to your 20-year-old self. Derek, what do you wish he knew?
1: Uh, What would he wish he knew? I think I probably would have told him to focus on a more profitable business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like what? Well, I think, I think, you know, uh, maybe more internet marketing stuff. I mean, I met so many people um, through all these organizations, entrepreneurs that made millions of dollars doing internet marketing stuff. And because I worked at the hedge fund, I built up business skills and I didn't build up marketing and kind of hustle skills. Uh, I missed out on a lot of of ways to make money. and then what well, then after I left, it was like the the recession, right? It was like the great the great recession, right? And so, And I went in, I just went to China and I went to China was basically living in another world. So uh, I think I just probably maybe would have focused on maybe learning how to build a business earlier. Um, But I mean, I really can't have any regrets. I learned so much. So, um, yeah, I guess I probably would have fallen just to focus on something more profitable.
0: All right. Top top tribe there you have it at 21 he landed a job after an eight-hour interview at a hedge fund he then went and launched a business that did 2.4 million bucks in travel in china and now he is getting into the fintech space with efin where they're looking to raise 500k on their first seed round derek thank you for taking us to the top
1: all right thank you appreciate it you bet
0: If you guys liked Derek today, you will love Chris from yesterday. He breaks down the art of a profitable book launch with Born For This, his latest release. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today.